everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's make our way to our seats. We got lots of uh, nice, wonderful fellowship going on this morning. Praise this evening. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have a great time together tonight in the house of the Lord, hearing the word of God. Who is ready to receive from Jesus this evening? Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up together and we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? All right, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated this evening. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to get into some announcements here and catch you up on everything. So our team has been in Honduras since the 15th and they're flying back in today. So we're super excited to uh, hopefully have them back with us on Wednesday night. Pastor and Mrs. Pastor got back a few days ago uh, from being down there and uh, praise God. It's been a successful time. Um, I'm sure they'll give us the full recap of everything. I know they've done a vacation Bible school that uh, Miss Cindy Grow wrote the entire thing for and uh, they did all that they've done little construction work for them and and some outreach and it's just been a really really successful incredible time and i'm sure that uh, this next weekend uh we'll let them share a bunch of their stories of uh, the wonderful experiences that they've had down there so really really glad to have them back with us amen all right well let's see here we have a membership class coming up who's excited for membership class yeah, all right. <laughs> my brother-in-law is. Well, if no one else is, my man is. All right. So uh, membership class is going to be Sunday, uh, July the 9th from 4 to 7 p.m. And so if you are not yet a member, but you would like to be, and you just know that, hey, this is my home church. Well, praise God. We would love to welcome you officially to the family. So sign up for membership class. It's 4 to 7. Uh, there is uh, snacks and stuff provided, but it is a really, really... Really awesome time. All right. Here's one that I'm really excited about. We are going to do a good old fashioned family barbecue on Sunday night, July 16th. Who's ready for that? Amen. And so we've done this one other time. We did it in 2021 for my dad's 70th birthday. And we had like the Barstow pour down of the century. It was the weirdest night ever. It rained so much that all the lights went out and the city flooded. But hey, it was a really cool time. So uh, I'm not going to, you know, estimate that that's going to happen again. But, you know, whatever. So uh, Sunday night, July 16th, family barbecue. Uh, we will be passing around not tonight. 
tonight, but over the next couple weeks, a sign-up sheet for maybe what you can bring to pitch in for it, and uh, we'll get some grills out here, and it's just going to be a fun time together, uh, you know, having a good summer time together as a church family. So, uh, praise God, put that on your calendar, and don't miss out on that night. And also, we are going to be doing baptisms again on Sunday, July the 30th, baptisms uh, for the morning service, and if there's anybody from our uh, nighttime crowd that wants to get baptized, we'll do it for that also. And we don't have an official date for this yet, but we are working with the city, and we're trying to do another uh, High Desert Word Center pool party at the city pool. So, amen. Uh, that'll be uh, sometime very late July or early August is what we're working on with that. So we're just trying to iron out a date with them. But last year, it was fun. We had over a 100 of us out there in the pool, and little did we know that our church building was flooding while we were swimming. It was an incredible <laughs> evening. So, uh, praise the Lord. That's what sticks out of my mind. But uh, this year is going to be great, and there will be no floods in our church. Hallelujah. All right. Well, that's the announcements for now. So, who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. Amen. It's time for our church tithes and offerings. I'm going to have Mama give, do the tithes and offerings tonight and do our happy time. So, go ahead, Mom. All right. Hi, everybody. How's everybody? Okay. I'll give you another couple updates. Is that okay, Pastor Dave? Give a couple updates. Okay. On the Honduras trip. Okay, so bullet points. Pastor and I, or especially Pastor, got a Baptist guy, been Baptist all his life, baptizing the Holy Ghost. That was cool. And then uh, um, Estella, our cook would come in for the noon meals and the evening meals in the mission house, and she would cook, you know, food for us. And Pastor that afternoon had done a uh, leadership thing for the staff that was at the school. And um, when we went back to the missions house, she's in there cooking, and she's really having intestinal problems, hasn't been able to eat or anything. So Pastor and Cindy laid hands on her, and, uh, boy, she just had a hallelujah fit all over that kitchen. <laughs> and she came in the next day and told pastor that she was all, you know, all healed. So that was another good thing. And, uh, I was able to minister and lay hands on a guy who had been, uh, uh, molested by his mother when he was a little kid. And, uh, I've never seen anything like that. A man, you know, but I was able to minister to him and, uh, he just cried and cried. And I believe he got deliverance that day. So, and then I just helped Cindy most of the time. So, anyway, awesome place. Hi there, Norma Jean. <laughs> okay. So, if you would like an envelope, raise your hand and our ushers will give you one. Scripture for tonight is Luke 6.38. And you ought to all be able to quote this sucker. It's not a sucker. It's a wonderful verse. <laughs> Hallelujah. One of the most awesome verses, you need to always remember this verse. This is in Luke 6, 38. Jesus said it. He said, give, give. This is an offering scripture, not a tithing scripture. He said, give, and it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you. Again, amen. And I always think about baking and cooking, you know. The, the, the brown sugar, you gotta press it down, you know, and all that stuff, pack it down in there. 
That's how he wants us to give abundantly. Amen. All right. So let's say our financial faith confession, and then we'll come on up for some worship tonight. Amen. All right. Okay. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family and to give generously in the kingdom of God and to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Feel free to join us at the altar for worship. And let's sing the Lord together. praise becomes your house your place a praise becomes your house your place a praise becomes your house your place a praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise. We inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people a praise becomes your house, your place. A praise becomes your house, your place. A praise becomes your house, your place. A praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise, you win of your people you inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises 
still enough 
Keep me within your love And my heart will sing your praise again Your promise still stands And great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence That you never failed Your promise Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence she never failed me. See you do it again. You made a way. 
see you do it again. I see you do it again. Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Still in your hands And this is my confidence That you never fail me Your promise still stands And great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence That you never fail me you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I see you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do when we're in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, tonight as we know your faithfulness, as we celebrate your faithfulness, we ask that you would have your way in our midst. Lord, we know you're here with us right now. And I pray that as our hearts are are soft and ready to receive the word of God, that we are receiving it, Lord, and that you are doing a great work within us. We thank you, Jesus. We surrender to you and we say, have your way this evening. We love you and we pray you in the name of Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. As we can make our way to our seats here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What a good night to be in the house of the Lord together with the people of God. Amen. Well, we're going to have a good time getting into the word this evening. Who's ready to receive from God tonight? 
Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, praise God. You know, I just wanted to encourage you this evening. And so the title of our message tonight is this. It's going to be encouragement. It's called Never Quit. Never, ever quit. Now, I know that there's nobody here. I'm probably the only one that's ever been tempted to quit. Right. None of you. Have any of you ever been tempted to quit? I didn't think so. Oh, oh wait, some of you have. Okay, so uh, maybe I do have the right crowd tonight. But yes, we're going to talk about never quit. Because the truth of the matter is this, is that everybody faces difficulty, right? Nobody is exempt. Uh, you know, sometimes people may give the false idea or the false impression that, well, you know, all you got to do is is uh, give your life to Jesus, then it's easy street from there. There's never any difficulties ever again. And well, that just hasn't been the case in my life, uh, you know, but I know this much that every difficulty that has come my way, I've won a hundred percent of the time. Right. A hundred percent. There's been difficulties. There's been mountains. There's been, you know, there's been obstacles. There's been storms. But we've won every single time because of Christ Jesus. Amen. Haven't lost any of them. And, you know, there's a quote that I like to share from Sir Winston Churchill uh, from World War Two. But he said, when you are going through hell, keep on moving. Don't stay there. Never, never, never give up. And it seems like so many people, they're going through it, man. They're going through hell on earth. They're going through the valley. And instead of just moving forward and and plunging ahead, they just, you know, put a tent up and decide to camp out there for a while. Well, I have no interest whatsoever in camping out right there. I am talking about charging ahead and moving on forward. Well, how could you do that? With Jesus, man. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That means not only does He go in front of me, but He follows up behind me. Amen? He's on every side of me because I am surrounded by the walls of God's salvation, according to Isaiah chapter 26. And so He is on every single side of me. I am charging forward in life, and I refuse to camp out and let the devil just pick on me. Who's with me tonight? Amen. All right. So we're going to look at a few uh, things tonight about the topic of never quit. And we're going to show you, man, how you can get victory in Jesus. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty good idea tonight? All right. So we're going to dig into the word and I'm going to show you a lot of verses tonight that I want you to get a hold of. So if you're a note taker, take notes. And if you're not a note taker, take notes. And if you're whatever the other options are, take notes. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the word of God tonight. All right. Number one is this. You got to know this, that everybody has mountains to face or difficulties, whatever, you know, uh, synonymous word you want to use there. But listen, everybody faces difficulty and the devil loves to use this isolation technique and to make you think that you're the only one going through what you're going through and wants to make you think that you're the only one that's ever faced this level of this difficulty. And the truth of the matter is that's a lie. That's a lie. That's not to, uh, you know, belittle or to downplay, you know, what you're going through. But let's just get real. You're not the only one that's ever dealt with that. And so I want to show you a verse I refer to often. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We're going to look at this in the King James and then we'll look at it in the NLT. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. So this is a good news verse right here. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 
chapter 10 and verse 13. So first of all, we'll read it in the good old King James. Sometimes I'm just in a King James mood, so I'm going to use a few of them tonight. So thou better be ready. All right. First Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. No, I, I have a unique temptation and, and a test that nobody else deals with. Well, according to this, there's no temptation that can come to you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say, but God is faithful. That's really good news, because what if that verse just ended after that first phrase? Well, everybody, bad news, there's no temptation that's come to you, except that it's common to man. You know, too bad. We're all going through it. It's tough times everywhere, so deal with it. It doesn't say that. It says, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Here it is, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I love this. Now, I, I've said this a million times in here, but this Greek word for temptation is a word, it's called pyrasmus. And this word is synonymous with temptations, trials, tests, difficulty, hard times, all, you know, this basically the same word right here. And so you can read this word, this verse as in uh, the, there's no trouble. There's no temptation. There's no trial. There's no difficulty that has come to you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Now, I want to look at this in the NLT for a little bit of modern English. And it says it this way. The temptations or the troubles or the trials or the difficulties in your life are no different from what others experience. You are not the only one that's ever had financial troubles. You're not the only one that's ever had health troubles. You're not the only one that's ever had marriage troubles. You're not the only one that's had trouble with your kids. You're not the only one that has ever been through this. But here's the good news yet again. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation, trial, test, difficulty to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That is really good news for us tonight. Amen. Uh, because again, if that verse is like, man, it's just bad everywhere. Hope you make it, but there's no guarantees. Well, that's not what the scripture tells us. It says that God will show us the way out so we can endure it. That is the gospel. And that's really good news tonight. And so again, I kind of point out that the devil wants you to feel like you're some sort of freak, like you're some sort of crazy weirdo and like, man, nobody else in that church you know, you're, you're bad. You don't even belong there. Nobody else there is dealing with what you're dealing with. You're worse than everybody there. And that's a lie from the enemy. You got to learn as you're growing in the Lord, how to resist the devil. When he comes and, and, and throws those thoughts at you, you got to say in the name of Jesus, I resist those thoughts. Amen. And you got to know verses to back up what you're saying. But as we're discussing the never quit topic, you've got to, you've got to get a hold of this. And I say this in a compassionate way that you can't sit around feeling sorry for yourself. 
And that's not, that's not being mean. That's just, that's just the truth. Uh, because you can either sit around and feel sorry for yourself or you can get up, roll up your sleeves and fight the good fight of faith and beat the devil, right? In the name of Jesus. But I've just not seen anybody that can do both. So you gotta make your choice that in the name of Jesus, I am gonna fight the good fight of faith and I am gonna win. Because once you get into the realm of, of pity, self-pity and feeling sorry for yourself, you exit the realm of faith. You exit the realm of faith when you choose to enter the realm of pity. And I'm not turning there, but if you're familiar with scripture, maybe you remember in Numbers chapter 13 that there was uh, Israelites that uh, Josh, uh, uh, Moses sent 12 spies into the land, right? 12, there's one from each of the 12 tribes. And he's like, go scout out the land, man. This is going to be our future home. It's going to be incredible. Go give us a, a report about it. And so he sends 12 guys to go scope and spy and 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 give a uh, you know a, a report on the land the promised land and out of the 12 two guys come back and say oh it is everything god said it would be this is a dream come true this is the best news we've ever seen in our lives but that was only two of the guys. The other ten come back and like, oh, it's awesome, all right. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, 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 you should see the fruit there. The clusters of grapes are so big, it takes two grown men to carry them on a pole between themselves. The pomegranates are the size of footballs. Well, they didn't say that part, but they said they were big, right? And so, they, they, it's incredible. But, bad news, there's giants there. And I just don't see any way we can take it. And so what happened? The people of Israel began to cry. They felt sorry for themselves. They're like, man, we can't catch a break. It's one bad thing after another. First it was Egypt, and now it's this. We make it here, and we can't even get into the promised land because there's giants. And guess what? They never made it in. It ticked God off. Because after a while, when God makes promises to you, okay, he's patient, no doubt about it. But, but let's just be honest here. After a while, when God makes promises and you continually say, I, I doubt that, I don't believe that. After a while, that's a little bit insulting, isn't it? I mean, come on, after a while, that gets a little bit insulting if continuously I'm like, no, I promise, man, I'm going to do this for you. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> What? You know, and, and, and yet, uh, and yet God's delivered. He parted the Red Sea, which we're going to look at later. He's done miracle after miracle. They witnessed the 10 plagues against Egypt. They've seen miracle after miracle. And God says, I've got a special place for you. I want you to go take it. It's yours for the taking. And I doubt that. Oh my gosh. I wish we would have died back in Egypt. Oh, good Lord. It was, uh, we were slaves, but at least we had meat over there. And they were just nasty and complaining. And after a while, God says, you know what? Forget it. None of you are going in. Only those that didn't doubt. Only those that had faith and believed. From now on, guess what? Get out of here. No, you're going to go and you're not getting into the promised land until every one of the doubters dies off. And so that's why it took 40 years in the wilderness. You look at a map of, of over there, it, it, the, from Egypt to Canaan land is not very far on a map. I think I've read it's like, you know, something like a, a one or two week journey by foot. And everyone's like, how did it take 40 years? No, they initially made it within a couple of weeks. That's when Moses sent in the 12 spies, but then they take God off by insulting him and calling him a liar. So he's like, okay, well, now you guys got to wander. It took 40 years. Because there was a few million people. And so think about that. 40 years 
And every one of the doubters had to die off before God could let them in. Doesn't that, what if you were one of the good guys? Wouldn't that kind of rub you the wrong way a little bit? That'd mash your taters, wouldn't it? <laughs> and so, yeah, burn your biscuits. So they, uh, 40 years. And I'm thinking, I did the math one time of how many thousands of people a day that was dying before they could actually, there's several thousand people a day that had to die before they could actually get in there. But the day did come when Joshua and Caleb, amen, they crossed the Jordan River, they went in there and they took on Jericho and they conquered the promised land. They did get there. But it took 40 years because of everybody else. And so we're telling you tonight, amen, believe God's word. Believe his promise. Don't insult him and, and you know, call him a liar. <laughs> and nobody would say that they've called God a liar. But sometimes, let's just get real, uh, in some ways we have. So how did it all start? Well, the children of Israel, they felt sorry for themselves and the pity turned into complaining and it turned into a bad, bad situation. Uh, but listen, with God, what? All things are possible. Amen. And it's not possible to them to believe. And so there is a, a clear distinction in scripture continuously all the way through the Bible between people that do believe and people that do not believe. The people that do trust God continuously see victory and continuously see miracles. And the people that do not believe God and trust God continuously are defeated. And that's, uh, you know, that again, that's not to sound like a very uplifting thing to say, but it's the fact of the matter. Guard yourself from self-pity because it will take you to places that you don't want to go. The only way that I can lose as a Christian is if I quit. The only way. Amen? Because I always triumph in Christ Jesus. The only way I lose is if I quit. And so you need to know that you're in a race that is stacked in your favor. Who knows that tonight? Your dad is the referee and commissioner and umpire and everything else. Amen. He's calling the shots here and he's not interested in giving the enemy uh, a fair playing field. He's fine with you having every single unfair advantage over the enemy. He just wants you to win. Amen. God wants you to win. Imagine playing a game of baseball. You know, maybe you're in Little League or something and some kid on the other team, his dad's the umpire. After strike three, the umpire says, you know what? Go ahead and take another swing. Well, if I'm the opposing team, I'm very angry. Well, that's not fair. You only get three strikes. Well, this kid said, yeah, but my dad's the umpire. He gets to make the rules, right? And that would rub me wrong if I was on the opposing team, but I would love it if I was the kid that my dad was the umpire. Well, I'm telling you tonight that in the game of life, our heavenly father is the umpire and he is not even interested in making things fair for the devil in his fight against you. It's not a fair game. You've got the advantage. You've got the upper hand. Jesus already defeated the devil when he went down to hell for three days. Amen. You are in a very unfair fight and you are the one with the advantage. And so listen, if we're being sincere with God, maybe you've had three strikes in life. Who in here, man, you've probably struck out a few times. 
I know I have, but guess what? My father lets me stay there swinging away until I hit a home run. Amen? Why? Because we never quit. We always win in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen tonight. Amen. So... Truth be told, number one, everybody has mountains to face. You know, no one just gets a, a, a free pass through life where they don't ever have difficulty. You know, we know that. But number two, here's the thing. Keep going. Keep going. Don't do it. Well, man, we're the, I'm in a hard time. I'm just going to, I'm not doing anything. I quit. That's not the way to victory. Now, we're all probably familiar with the story of the woman with the issue of blood. But I'm going to flip over there tonight uh, to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Now this woman had been in a state of continual bleeding for 12 years. And it tells us that she had spent every last penny she had on doctors and medication and everything else. But she never got better. She continuously got worse. What a... I mean... I would say that would be a, probably a pretty big temptation to quit. You'd spent everything and no doctor you went to could help you. They just made things worse. No medicine you took ever helped you. It just kept getting worse and worse. But the good news is one day she heard about a man named Jesus. Amen. And that's where you're at. You heard about a man named Jesus and you called on him and now he's your Lord and Savior. Am I right? So Mark 5. And I'm going to skip up here to verse 28, Mark 5 and verse 28. So she hears of Jesus and it says, for she thought, she said to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. That's faith. Did she say, there's a chance I could get healed today? Did she say, maybe I'll get healed No, she said, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. And so she does it. Verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. Isn't that crazy how one touch of Jesus, one second with Jesus can do what 12 years of doctors and everybody else couldn't do? He can do more in one second than the best people in this world can do out of 12 years. That is a story right there. Amen. And so she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Amen. Hallelujah. Think about Jesus telling you that right there. Hey, you know what? Your faith has received the miracle. Go in peace. It's all over with. Your suffering is over. Now, as we mentioned, this lady could have quit and given up a long time ago. She could have said, well, if the doctor can't help me, I doubt Jesus could either. I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school, right? And she could have said... That's a shout out to Toy Story. Anyway, so she she could have said all sorts of things, but she reached out 
to Jesus and he took care of her problem. Now, there's just so much in this story, but who knows that a lot of people touched Jesus that day. There's no record of any of them getting healed. There's no record of any of them receiving anything. And there's a lot of people even today just reaching out, you know, maybe throwing out a, you know, a a wish or a hope or a, well, I've done everything else. Jesus, I mean, might as well try you. Help, you know, hey, listen, listen, that's not a prayer of faith. This woman out of everybody, a lot of people touch Jesus. But when somebody touches Jesus in faith, he notices. He knows the difference whether we do or not. Jesus notices and it says he felt the power go out of him. Imagine that that you can literally reach out and get a hold of Jesus and he feels the power go out of him. And he's like, whoa, somebody just reached out in faith. And uh, we point this out in story after story. But this is yet another example of Jesus saying your faith has made you whole your faith healed you. So there's definitely two vital aspects to receiving from God. There's his power. Who knows that the power is always turned on, right? You know, there's not like an energy crisis in heaven. Like, well, we better just, you know, do a mandatory outage here for a few days so we can recharge the batteries. No, there's no, it's a continuously on source of power. And so to receive a miracle, man, listen, there's got to be God's power involved. And that's already on. There's got to be your faith involved. You plug your faith into God's power. Wonderful, explosive things happen. Time and time again in the Bible. And then somebody, you know, would say, well, yeah, that was the Bible. <laughs> that was the scripture. Well, what what do you do about Hebrews 13, 8, where it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus did miracles in the Bible, when did Jesus change and quit doing miracles? Tell us that. He didn't. He didn't change. Amen. And so I know this much. If Jesus doesn't change, sometimes I've got to change and I've got to enter into the realm of faith. And if I'm in a bad spot, I've got to plug my faith into the power of God. Amen. I refuse to quit. I'm going to receive my miracle. And so I want to look at an Old Testament example tonight too. That's an excellent New Testament one. But let's go to Exodus chapter 14. I referenced this a minute ago, so we might as well just turn over there. So Exodus chapter 14. And as we get there, this is this place where Moses has finally gotten Pharaoh to release the Israelites. And we know that there was a series of 10 plagues and it was some nasty stuff. And Moses, uh, Pharaoh kept going back on his word, right? He'd be like, you know what? All right, fine. You guys can go. Then he'd be like, uh, never mind. Change my mind. Psych. And then he'd make him turn back around and come back again. And, uh, but finally it reaches the place where after the, the firstborn of everyone in Egypt dies, he's like, you know what? I've had enough. Get out of here. Take the people and go. I don't even want you guys to be here anymore. So in Exodus 14, they have made it to the Red Sea. And one final time, Pharaoh changes his mind. He's like, wait a minute. 
I need all these pyramids made and we don't want to do it ourselves. Let's go get them. And so they chase them down and things are in a bad spot. And so the people of Israel, they'd been slaves for over 400 years. And I mean, that's a long time. That's generation after generation in slavery. They thought that they had finally conquered the giant. They had finally conquered the mountain, but then, you know, the monster raises its head one last time. And a lot of times in our life, maybe we think we finally have the problem beat and then it tries one last time to come after us. So Exodus 14, and we're going to look here, uh, starting at verses 10 through 12, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Well, guess what? That proves that you can have what you say. They said it was going to happen. And brother, it happened. Amen. (laughs) We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Like, wow. Bravo on the faith level there, people. You're some real giants. Wow. I mean, these are people that had seen miracles. They had seen just insane things. And yeah, they had the audacity to say some nasty things to Moses, the guy that stuck his neck out on the line for them. You realize that there was really nothing in this for Moses. He was in the royal family. He was, uh, he, he grew up in Pharaoh's household. He had a rich millionaire type of a life. And then he know, he, he eventually, the Lord tells him, Hey, here's what I want you to do. He sticks his neck on the line. He had everything in the world to lose for these people. And then what do they do? They turn on him. Like, it's your fault. You should have let us die. You should have let us be slaves. And isn't that sometimes human nature? Somebody just risk it all for somebody else. And then they turn on that person when things aren't exactly how they want. What a nasty little situation to be in. Anyway, so uh, these people instantly go back into panic mode, go back into self-pity mode and every other mode. But... Thank God they had a godly leader in their life. Because sometimes when you're a moron, a godly leader will tell you that you're being a moron. And like, hey, you know what? Shut up. We're going to win this thing if you'll keep your mouth shut. And here's what here's what happens, all right? So let's go down here to verses 13 and 14. So they're all just, I mean, going nuts, going psycho on Moses. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Amen. And so he's like, basically, man, listen, you just stay there and shut your mouth and watch what God can do. Verse 14 is a famous verse, and it's a verse that you should know. Moses says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay Calm. Amen. And that reminds me of what David said when he was facing Goliath. He said, hey, the battle's the Lord's. That's why I'm not afraid. And so you need to know that tonight, that if you will put the battle in the Lord's hands, you'll win every single time. If you will 
take the battle out of God's hands and put it in your own hands, then I don't have a statistic for how often you win. I don't know. Maybe you're batting 250. Maybe you're batting, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. But I know this much. You've got no guarantees of victory if you are taking the battle into your own hands. No guarantees. But with Jesus, if I let him fight my battles, I win every single time. Well, how do we let him fight our battles? That would be a whole additional sermon. But I can tell you this. A few ways that you let God fight your battles is you shut your mouth and don't say negative things. You speak words of faith. Why? Well, Proverbs 18, 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so I'm, I'm not going to, you know, beat the giants if I'm in agreement with them. When the giant says, I'm going to kill you. And you say, yeah, you probably are. Oh, my gosh. Well, that, that's no way to win the battle. Yeah. Another way that you keep the battle in the Lord's hands is you walk in love and forgiveness. Uh, you, you will not win your battles if you don't do that. And I would say that you continuously stay in the word of God and speak the word of God. Those are just some ways that you keep the battle in God's hands and not in your own. But I love what Moses said right there. Listen, the Lord himself will fight for you. Your job, stay calm. God's job, fight the battle. This is not rocket science. So let's skip down to verses 21 and 22 and let's see how the people fared. If you've read the Bible, you know how this turns out. It's a really good story. Anyway, so verses 21 through 22. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Amen. This is the parting of the Red Sea. And I mean, I just, I, again, I, 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 in this story, I just imagine, can you imagine being here in this? This moment, the seabed is dry ground. I mean, we can go out there and run the garden hose on the ground for a while. And by tomorrow morning, it may still be wet ground, right? We're talking about an entire sea is parted and it is dry as a bone when the people of God walk through and there are walls of water. How tall is this water? I don't know how deep the Red Sea is, but let's say it's even a hundred feet deep. I don't know at the minimum. They've got, uh, I mean, walls of water on each side and they're just walking through looking at this. I imagine it's like an aquarium. There's probably fish swimming by and other, you know, little sea creatures. I don't know. Uh, what would this look like? But this would be an incredible moment to experience. And it was God delivering his people when they shut their mouths and just trusted God. Now let's get down here to verses 26 through 28. Amen. So they're walking through in victory. Verse 26, when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians in their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians, who chased the Israelites to the sea, not a single one survived. 
Isn't it cool how the same waters that God can part to deliver you are the same waters he can use to drown your enemies and totally annihilate them? That is God. And I love this miracle. And I've, I, I've kind of shared this before, but I was watching, I think it was National Geographic or something one time, and they're trying to explain the miracles of the Bible. And so uh, they're like, well, really, this isn't that impressive. The place that the Israelites crossed was actually only ankle deep water. And I'm like, and so somebody else said, wait a minute, we've got an even bigger miracle on our hands now. The entire Egyptian army drowned in ankle deep water. God's incredible. Wow. And so, man, when some fool tries to explain away, no, just stop that. When the Bible says it, this is what really happened. God parted the Red Sea. His people made it through. The evil people drowned. End of story. God delivered his people. Amen. Who believes God tonight? Now, what if Moses, what if, what if Moses had let the people quit when they wanted to quit. They were mere seconds away from freedom and they wanted to throw in the towel. You never know. Never quit. You don't know how close you are to that breakthrough. And I like something that Thomas Edison said. He said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. And, you know, you've probably read the story. You know, he he like had 4,000 attempts at successfully creating the light bulb. And you've probably heard this also. It's a famous quote. But somebody's like, why don't you just give up? You've tried 4,000 ways that, you know, that don't work. And he's like, hey, man, I'm on the right track now. I found 4,000 ways that don't work. All I got to do is find one way that does. (laughs) Amen. And so what if he had given up? Well, I can tell you this much. I know a lot of people that are very thankful for light bulbs, batteries, and a lot of the other things that Thomas Edison invented. And everybody else is like, man, you're crazy. No, Thomas Edison didn't give up and we get to reap those benefits. And so you never know how close you are to breakthrough. Don't quit. Something that Albert Einstein said, he said, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stick with problems longer than anybody else does. I think that's incredible, you know, and we know that, yeah, the man was genius, but on top of that, he just didn't quit. And maybe he ran into a wall that seemed like he wasn't going to figure it out. He just didn't quit. He stuck with it and kept going. And I am also glad that he didn't quit. But as a Christian, as a child of God, quit should be a cuss word to you. Amen. You know, we need to add some additional words to our list of cuss words that we refuse to say. Hate is a cuss word. And I tell my, that's a cuss word in this house. Shut your mouth. We don't say that. Quit should be a cuss word in your house. Don't use the word quit. Get that out of your vocabulary. You know, I I read a story uh, in 334 BC. That was a good, who remembers that? That was a good year, huh? Amen. I was, I was awesome. Loved that. One of my favorite years, actually. But Alexander the Great led 75,000 of his men to take on the Persian Empire. And these were like the two world powers at the time, as you'll recall. And so he takes 75,000 by ship and they arrive on the shores of Persia. And he orders his men after they arrive to burn all the ships that they came on. 
And, and they're like, uh, what? He's like, burn every boat that we came on. What was his reasoning? If he burned the only way of escape, they couldn't quit and retreat. They had no choice but to go in there and win. And so this is what he told his men. He said, either we go home on Persian ships or we die here. And guess what? That was quite motivational. They went in and they conquered Persia and they went home on the Persian ships. And Persia had the biggest navy in the world at the time. And so they went home on the Persian boats. And sometimes in our life we're like, no, I'm trusting God. But just for good measure, I'm going to tie this little boat up right here in case I need to quit and go running home like a little sissy. Okay. And so listen, sometimes you need to just burn that boat and only rely on God. Now, people can take that out of context. I'm not saying to throw away your medicine and to do things of that nature. But what I am saying, man, Jesus is the answer. Amen. And so the boat of quitting, the boat of retreating, the boat of turning back and going the other way, burn that boat. You've got no business going on that. Conquer the enemy and his boats and then go for a nice tour and a nice cruise on that boat. Amen. And so burn the ships. Amen. With God on our side, there's no plan for quitting. Quitting is not an option. We're going all the way. We're conquering the promised land and we're going to live there. Who knows that? We're going all the way. And so point number three tonight, it's this. Number three, God is able and God is willing. God is able and God is willing. I want to look at a few uh, New Testament scriptures to wind things down tonight. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. And we're going hardcore King James on this. Romans 8 and verse 31. When I worked at FedEx, when I was 18, uh, I kept this little Gideon's New Testament Bible in my pocket. Why don't you just use your smartphone? Well, I'm really old and we didn't have Bible apps back then. And on top of that, we weren't allowed to bring phones into work anyway. So can you imagine that having to go to work without your phone? Like we actually had to like sit there and stack the boxes and not play solitaire. It was nuts. It was torture. So anyway, um, but I, but when there was downtime, I pulled out this little New Testament. And man, I don't know why, but I would read Romans 8 time and time and time and time again. Romans 8, I mean hundreds of times, all the time. And sometimes, you know, we're always looking for a fresh new thing. But I would encourage you, maybe you there's a passage that God's just trying to get your attention on. And you maybe, maybe he's going to have you read that same passage every day for like a year until you actually get it. That's a word for somebody. If it's you, you know, receive. Amen. So Romans 8, and we're going to look here at, uh, at verse 31. And so it, it tells us this. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. And so who in here tonight, you're confident that God is for you? Every hand should be up. You should know that. And if you don't know that, now you know. God is for you. God is not fighting against you. Amen? And so if he's for us, who in the world could be against us? Look at verse 37. 
It says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. And so we just talked about Alexander the Great. There's a lot of conquerors that have been in our world over the course of history. And they did a lot of conquering things or whatever. They were powerful people. But listen, the Bible doesn't just say, hey, you're a conqueror through Jesus. That's misquoting the verse. It says, no, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus through him that loved us. And so I'm telling you tonight, if God is on your side, and he is, you have always got a chance. Just don't give up. Keep marching forward. Don't give up. I read this story, actually earlier today I read this, about an old janitor uh, at, a, at a Bible college, a theological uh, Bible college. And this old janitor, you know, uh, he regularly waited patiently while the students finished playing basketball at the gym. And so one time, one of the students approached him at the end and asked, hey, what are you reading there, you know? And he's like, well, I'm reading the Bible. And uh, the, the student says, oh, well, where, where in particular are you reading? The old man said, I'm reading the book of Revelation. And do you actually understand it? <laughs> Asked the student. Yes, I do. And, you know, the reason he asked is because the book of Revelation, arguably, is one of the most difficult books of the Bible to actually understand. And so he asked the old man, well, do you actually understand it and know what it's saying? And the janitor says, absolutely, I, I know what it means. And so the student says, okay, well, what does it mean? And the janitor says, it means we win. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Read to the end of the book. I don't care if, you know, the seven horns and the seven blah, 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 and the vials of it. Well, you know, whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, wh whatever. But bottom line, if you don't get all that, know this much. You can read the Bible from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. And guess what? Bottom line, we win. We win. You know what? Jesus comes back, takes us to heaven, and a lot of bad things happen on earth, but we're in heaven. And guess what? In the end, we win if we don't quit. Who in here thinks that, hey, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not letting go of Jesus. I'm not letting go of my faith. I'm sticking with him until the very end. One last verse, Ephesians 3.20. Amen. Ephesians 3.20. This is a verse that's been coming to me a lot lately. I've been sharing this one with a lot of people. Ephesians 3.20. Amen. Who highlights in their Bible? You should. Oh, look at that. Oh, Patricia, man. That's all yellow. I like it. Okay, James likes to keep his Bible nice and neat. All right, hey. Uh, I'm not telling you how to do it. <laughs> but my Bible is full of yellow and red and, and cute little stars and all sorts of stuff. It's great. But Ephesians 3.20. King James. Love it. And now unto him, amen, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. And so does it say there that, well, you know, God's able to, you know, do uh, maybe uh, what you could ask or think? No, there's two very key words in this verse, exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or 
think. And you could be sitting there saying, well, I've got some big things to ask of God. And God's saying, you're not asking for big enough. I, I can do better than that. You may sit there saying, man, I've got some big dreams. I just don't know. And God's saying, you're not dreaming big enough. I can double that. I can triple that. But you got to have the guts. you got to have the, the tenacity. You've got to have the faith to believe it. And I'm telling you tonight that if you've got the guts and the faith to believe God for it, he's got the power to make it happen. Amen. And so I encourage you tonight in the name of Jesus, don't quit. Never use the word quit again. It is not a word for God's children to be using. We don't quit. Amen. And he is able and he is willing to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. One final story. I was talking to one of the church members this morning and I'll let them share their testimony in their own time. So they'll remain nameless. But anyway, so this guy's talking to me and they've been believing God for a house for a couple years and just one thing after another, it just hasn't worked out. And so finally this week, and I'll tell you, they didn't quit. They continued serving at church, reading the Bible, serving God. They continue tithing. They never quit tithing. They continue doing all of the right things, obeying God and his word. Well, this very week, man, they landed their dream home on five acres, exceeding abundantly, man. The other places they were going for weren't even as good as this. God had something better. So sometimes when you're just wondering why this isn't working out, well, it's because God's got something bigger and better. Amen. And on top of it, the day, the day that he found out they got the house, he was leaving the, the real estate place. He gets a call on the phone, a job that he had applied for that he thought was way out of his league. He got the job. It is literally, literally double the amount of money that he's making right now. Double. Totally double. And I'm like, man, thank God. You always reap what you sow. And if you don't give up, it happens at just the right time. Amen. And so I encourage you tonight, man, what we talked about this morning, what we talked about tonight, never quit. Even if things are hard, keep pushing through because you're not alone. Jesus is with you and you will win every fight in Jesus that you don't quit. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to stand up together this evening. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, who's grateful that Jesus, amen, is for you? If he was against you, that'd be real bad, but he's for you. Amen. Well, we're going to take a few minutes tonight. If you need prayer for anything at all, uh, come on up. We would love to stand in faith with you and watch the Lord handle your situation. And if not, Josh, Pastor Josh is going to lead us in some worship. And what's your job? We've been preaching on this. What's your job? If you don't need prayer, your job is to worship God and to pray for the people that do need prayer. Amen. All right. So Pastor Josh, go ahead and lead us in some worship. Your promise still stands And great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence That you never failed me Your promise still stands
Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. I believe I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never failed me. Right, praise the Lord. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight. Amen. Who received from the Lord this evening? Amen. A couple of quick reminders. 
the July devotional, the printed copies are already back there on the info booth. So you can go ahead and grab a printed copy tonight. And if you do it digitally online, then we'll post that right around the first. Uh, uh, so you'll get to do it that way also. Amen. Uh, hey, we've got that barbecue coming up in a few weeks. So uh, be ready to hang out with us that night. That's going to be super fun. And membership class is on July the 9th. So make sure you sign up for that if you haven't signed up for membership class. Amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and close in prayer and then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. <laughs> Amen. Let's raise our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And Lord, we are grateful for these promises. We know that we are more than conquerors through you who love us, Lord. And we know that if God is for us, nothing can be against us, Lord. And so I pray for everybody here tonight that as they've heard the word of God, we know that faith has come to their hearts. And so I believe that we'll be doers of the word this week. And whenever we've got the opportunity to quit, whenever we've got the opportunity opportunity to get really negative. Lord, we are going to refuse that and we are going to go forward in faith with Jesus and we're going to win every single battle that comes our way. We love you and we praise you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus name, can somebody give us a great big amen tonight? Amen. All right, let's do our faith. Did you have something, mom? Okay, let's do our faith confession and then we'll roll on out of here. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you Wednesday.